Some of you are wondering where um, mom and dad are. Um, actually, dad has the honor of ministering at ever-increasing faith ministries. Um, the prices um, there today, this morning. And um, in fact, if any of you want to watch that service, because of the time difference, uh, it starts at 1230 our time on their various social ne- um, media. I noticed I just looked it up that they're going to be having it live. They're celebrating their 50 years of ministry um, or 50 years of their church going on. So, um, so they're having different speakers. And so that's where they're at. They're in California. And that's why I got to actually speak two Sundays in a row, um, which is um, a miracle. Never does normally happen. And like I said, we started last week a, a two-part um, series on faith. Now, you know, there's no way you can cover all, all the subject of faith in two parts, all right? In fact, for some of you second-year Rama students, you're going to have me this week, um, Faith Library 2, and we're, we're going to go, I don't know, 13 sessions on faith and still won't cover it all. Um, you know, you can never cover it all, it seems. I mean, it doesn't matter. And what's so awesome about the subject of faith is every time I minister on faith, I get something new. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's just fresh. And, and, you know, some people, they, they want to hear some kind of, you know, new sermon. Well, you know what? Um, if we, we need to understand faith, first of all. Now, um, I started out um, with a series, Mark eleven twenty two, my favorite verse. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Well, you can't have faith in God if you don't know what faith is. Then we went to Hebrews 11, 1, where it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith, our faith is the evidence of things we do not see. Now that goes along with um, Webster's New World Dictionary definition of faith is faith is an unquestioning belief that does not quite require proof or evidence. You don't have to see it before you believe it. That's faith. You believe it exists. Just like how many of you here have a brain? Okay. Some people in this room did not raise their hand. So I'm kind of questioning about you. Now, um, have you ever seen your brain? Have you ever cracked open your head and seen your brain matter pop, 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 pop? You know, most of you have not seen your brain. In fact, most of you in this room have not even seen scans of your brain. I've actually seen scans of my brain through an MRI and, um, and, um, and CAT scans, and I know my brain exists. Well, he's like, tell me it's a picture of my brain. You know, my brain is bigger than most people's brain. I said, it's high. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, but I believe my brain exists. In fact, I believe most of your brains exist too. There might be some times where I don't believe, you know, I'm just kidding. But, you know, but we don't have any evidence. Well, he said, well, yeah, but I can see my head. Well, you could have an empty head, you know. Same way with your heart or any other part of your body, Um, you know. So now, I mean, obviously you can see like your pinky toe. You know it exists. You can see your hands, you know, but you can't see your brain. You can't see what's on the inside. Um, unless I take it out of your inside and put it on the outside and then show you in a jar, you know, so, you know, like maybe you got your appendix removed and you said, here's your appendix is what it looked like anyway. But, you know, you believe your brain exists, even though you don't see it. You know, because some people say, well, it's really hard to believe something exists when we don't see it. Um, but, you know, we're talking about our God. And it's interesting when you go to Hebrews 11, um, three, I'm going to read from, from the New Living Translation and and this is where we finished off um, last week. It says, by faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command that what, we now, um, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. You know, everything that we have in this universe came because God spoke. And what, you know, the Bible is trying to say is we have that same faith. We can speak things into existence, you know, by faith. I mean, it just, you know, we serve such an awesome God. And um, you have to understand, our faith is not in ourself. Once again, our faith is in our God. All right, you're not gonna make anything happen. I mean, as awesome as you might be, as talented as you might be, I mean, there are things that you cannot do. All right, but you know what? You're God. I mean, I mean your God created you from nothing. Well, technically, Man from dust, women from rib. We talked about that last week. All right. Going down to Hebrews eleven six, it says this, NLT. 
And it is impossible to please him without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So you know what? You can't be saved without faith. You have to believe that God exists. Um, you know, we obviously have to believe that Jesus Christ exists, that, that he that existed and still does, does exist. You know, he came to this this earth, born of a virgin, died upon the cross, rose on the third day. Um, and it, we'll all hear about that in a couple of weeks at Easter, you know, but, but we need to believe that. Well, you know, some people have trouble with that. But I was thinking this morning that I've never seen George Washington. I mean, I've seen my, my money, you know, has a picture of him, you know, the dollar bill, even though I'd rather see Benjamin Franklin instead of George Washington, because it's um, more powerful. Um, not lit really, but I mean, George Washington obviously was the very first president. We know he existed because history tells us and most history books, except for the current ones now, you know, just, I'm just joking. Um, you know, the history books tell us that he existed and all the things that he did. Well, we have history books. We have the Bible that tell us that Jesus existed and all the things that he did. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ did a whole lot more things and, and greater things than George Washington did. You know, and now, but the deal is, is that we just believe. Now, we've never seen Jesus. I mean, we've seen pictures, we've seen movies, we've seen, you know, and that's the one thing too. You know, the one thing that always bothered me about my grandfather is, you know, he had many different visions and people ask him what Jesus looked like. Does he really look like the pictures? You know, because that's kind of, we're all wondering. And you know what he always said? He goes, I don't know. What do you mean I don't know? He goes, I never could get past his eyes because his eyes were like pools of living love is what he says. You know, and, um, um, and so, but to be like Jesus means that our eyes should be like pools of living love, which is pretty interesting. But in, anyway, um, you know, now the Bible says that we can't please God without faith because you can't, you can't be saved without faith. And it's interesting because a lot of people have no trouble with the salvation message. Oh, that's pretty easy. But when it comes to faith, you know, for healing or finances or whatever it might be, they have trouble with it. It's the same faith that heals you is the same faith that saves you. Now, some people say, well, um, you know, whether some people say this too, because I have, well, you know, I have children. I've now have grandchildren. And, um, you know, I love my children no matter what they do. And my kids have done some pretty crazy things, all right? But I love them regardless. You know what? God loves you regardless of whatever you do. But there's some things that my kids do that please me more than other things. All right? So just because, you know, says we, and so when the Bible says without faith we can't please God, God still loves you whether you're, you're, you're living the light, right lifestyle or not. He still loves you. He still cares about you. Just like my, I care about my kids and my grandkids no matter how, you know, no matter what they do. And like I said, over the, the course of time, they've done crazy things. But you know what? I love them. And I'll continue to love them. God loves you no matter what. But God is so, I believe that God's so proud of us when, we, when he sees us use our faith and receive things from him. You know, I, I know, I, I'm, over the years, I watched my grandfather um, many times. And, you know, um, um, on the road, and, you know, in any Raymer graduate or whatever, he would always call them his kids. And I, I could see it when, whenever he would see some of their crusade teams, some of their singers or other people, whenever he would see them minister or, or let them talk, he would be so proud of them, how they're stepping out. You, they're using their gift. And, and God's so proud of you. And so, you know, without faith, we can't please God. But you know what? I mean, think about this. I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy when, when my kids are able to do things, you know, and accomplish things. And me, if I was God, and I'm not God, I want to let you know, everyone know that I'm, I'm not God, okay? But if I was God, I would be really happy to, to watch you use your faith and receive healing, receive finances, like, like you know, that a boy. I mean, you know, I, you, know, I'm, you know, thank God you learned something. I mean, you know, 
But, uh, you know, so, but it's the same faith that heals us as the same faith that saves us. And there's no different faith. Because I've never heard someone say, well, I came down at the altar and I'm not sure whether I got saved or not. All right. But many people are like, man, did I get healed? Did I not get healed? Well, what did you believe? What did you believe? See, when you came down to the altar to get saved, you believed you got saved. When you came down to the altar and got, got healed, did you, did you, well, of course, obviously too, when you came down to get saved, you expected to get saved. When you came down to get healed, did you expect it? Or did you not expect it? Because some people don't expect anything. They're, they're I'm going to try God out. I'm going to see if this works. No, you come and you believe. I mean, you know, it, it's just that simple. Now, how do you get faith? Well, Romans ten seventeen, um, and I'm going to read it from the Brother Hagen version. All right. The New King James Version says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Brother Hagen Version says, and faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Continually hear the word of God. All right. And that's where some people mess up. Well, well, I've read that scripture or I've heard that scripture. Yeah, but, but hearing it one time does, does, does not get it over, you know, does not get it in your heart. In fact, um, I will tell you, they tell, they tell you, if you want to make a point, you'll, you'll have repetition. You'll repeat yourself over and over again. You'll drive it home. You'll drive that point home because you want someone to hear it enough that, and, you know, in fact, if... Um, a lot of times, um, some bosses do this. You know, whenever they give you a an order or command or something to do, they'll then once again they'll ask you, "Do you understand what I'm telling you?" And have you speak that to make sure that they understood what you said? Because a lot of times we hear things, but we don't understand um, what they are really saying because we do it in our own perspective. Now, faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, you know, a continuous action. And, and if you, um, you know, hear my grandfather speak, he, he actually doesn't tell us what the Greek word is. And that's, I don't care what the Greek word is. If you want to know what it is, look it up. All right. But he says the Greek word there for hearing denotes continuous action. All right. I'm not telling you what the Greek word is. I've never looked it up because I don't really care because I don't read Greek. All right, now some pastors want to look very impressive that don't know Greek, but want to look up the Greek word and tell you what the Greek word is, and half the time they probably pronounce it wrong. That's why I'm not telling you Greek word, because I'm sure I pronounce it wrong. I, I don't know Greek. I don't speak Greek. Um, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm not Greek. Now, you know, that's great if you know the Greek word, but do you know what it means? Most of you don't even know what the English word means, much less the Greek word. But what he says it means is a continuous action, hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Now, that does not mean that you have to have someone speak to you all the time. So some people say, well, okay, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then I need to, to, you know, to get someone preaching and, and put it on repeat. All right, well, maybe it might be good as long as they're preaching the, the, the truth. In, not truth, but, but we have to understand um, when this was written. Do you realize that um, when the you know, book of Romans was written, that people did not carry the Bible on their devices? In fact, people did not carry the Bible at all. So, so I mean, you know, think about how much easier that we have it today. I mean, you know, literally, I mean, I, I'm, I guess if, if we took a survey, I, I would say probably most people in this room have a, a phone that they carry with them. Most of them have a smartphone. There might be five people in this room that don't have a smartphone because you're not smart enough to have one. So that's, 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 you know, I don't care whether you have a smartphone or a dumb phone. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, you probably carry a phone. On your phone, you probably have an application that, you know, and you have a, a Bible app. I, I personally use the free one because I'm cheap. Um, my parents, they pay for theirs, um, but you know, that's their choice. You know, 
I'm, if someone's going to put it out there for free, I'm going to use it, okay? Um, why, why pay for something that somebody else is going to pay for? That's exactly, you know, why as a kid, I was always that smart. Um, we have Christmas, we have my birthday. Those are the two times I get gifts. So if I wanted something, instead of buying it myself, I would wait till Christmas or my birthday and ask for it because why well, use my own money when somebody else can buy it for me? Or I just sit around and believe God that someone's going to provide them. Um, you know, but actually that did happen sometimes. But, um, you know, the thing about it is, is that we have 24-7 access to the Bible. They didn't. The only, so you understand, the only way that they could hear the word of God is to hear someone preach the word. That's the only way they can hear the word of God. And, and you realize that, um, you know, um, copiers did not exist during those times. All right, so the only way, like if, um, let's just take, um, you know, the book of Ephesians. All right, well, the book of Ephesians were written to the church of Ephesus. Well, the only way that another church could get that if somebody actually copied down by hand the book of Ephesians and hand delivered it to, to, you know, to Philippi or somewhere else. So they didn't have other people's letters. And in fact, I mean, obviously that letter was written to the pastor or to whoever. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily, so we have it so much easier. You realize that we have all these books and we still complain, you know, I mean, we have, we have access. And so, so hearing the word, you know, does not just mean actually listening to a sermon. I mean, you know, when you read the Bible, that's hearing the word. Now for some people, they need to read it out loud. I know people that will read it out loud because it, because when they read it out loud, that actually they get it better. That's fine. As long as you're not in a public place, you know, don't sit at Starbucks and read your Bible out loud, you know, because it bothers people. All right. If you want to read your Bible out loud like that, go home. All right. Go sit in your car, read your Bible out loud or, or, or whatever. But, but, you know, reading the word is like hearing the word. In fact, um, how many ever seen a movie? Anyone seen a movie? You know, these, you guys, are you going to not raise your hand for anything? You don't have a brain. You've never seen a movie. I mean, I'm not sure what you're doing. How many people in this audience actually exist? <laughs> See, there's some, some of you have no brain, never seen a movie, and do not even exist. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Anyway, but we've all seen a movie. Whether you want to admit, admit it or not, you've seen a movie. I didn't, ask, I didn't say if you've seen a movie in a theater. Maybe you've never been to a theater a day in your life. I doubt it, but maybe you've never done that. But you've seen it on, on TV or, or something. But anyway, if you've seen a movie... Our movies are usually adapted from a book. And I know people that see the movie and are disappointed because it wasn't like the book. Anyone ever been in that boat? You, you know, you read the book and you see the movie, and you're like, well, that was, you see, you know, and so it's the same way with the word of God. Sometimes we um, hear someone minister, you know, but, but we can, we, we, there, you can just get more out of it when you read the book. And in fact, a lot of times in the movie, because the movie's only, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, however long, you know, I, some, there, I know there's some long movies that are three hours or whatever, but you realize it took you more than three hours to read that book. There was a whole lot more stuff in the book. And I don't care how many sermons you listen to in your lifetime, there's a whole lot more things in the book. So you know what? I want to suggest that you read the book. Now, now I want to clarify and, and correct my father um, because me and my sister, we read the Bible through seven times. Okay, she, he only said five. Seven times we read the Bible through. And I don't know what it was. I guess when I graduated from high school, they quit reading the Bible through as a family because the family wasn't there when I went to college. Um, but yes, um, we, ha- we would have devotions and we would read the entire Bible and it was pretty interesting as a, as a young, youngster reading some of the scriptures in the Old Testament, some of the Song of Solomon and some of those things, you know, especially when you're like, you know, a youngster and you're asking questions and your parents are like really embarrassed to, to answer the questions that you're asking. Um, but, you know, and, and 
sometimes say, well, why do I need to read the Old Testament? Man, there's some great things in the Old Testament that help you understand the New Testament. And, and so, um, you know, we've read, we read the Bible through as a family seven times. All right. And I guess we stopped at seven because that's God's number. I don't know why. I, I actually, it, it correlates with me going to college. And, you know, I guess it wasn't, if, if I wasn't there, it, my parents, and my sister couldn't read the Bible because it just messed things up. I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know, we've still read the, read the Bible after that. I mean, I've gone through the Bible reading plans, but as a family, seven times we read the Bible. And, um, you know, interesting part about it was, is because I read the Bible through seven times, um, it helped me understand stuff like the, um, the one with the issue of blood. Because many people don't realize if you read the law, if you have a, a blood disease, then you're supposed to quarantine yourself. And everyone knows anything about quarantine now, because you know, we didn't know things about quarantine until a couple of years ago, but we know about quarantine. Supposed to quarantine yourself. And if anyone gets near you, you're supposed to cry unclean, unclean. So a woman with issue of blood was not supposed to be in the middle of a, of a multitude of people. And so, you know, so it kind of rela- helps you understand some of these stories when you understand the thing. But the point is, is that faith comes by reading the word and reading the word and reading the word and reading the word, just like hearing the word. All right. And so um, my grandfather says, if you read his books, the number one reason why people do not get their needs met is they don't know the word. Now, it's one thing when you know the word, another thing to believe the word. Oh, well, I believe it. Well, you don't act like you believe it. You know, if faith is an unquestioning belief, when you're asking, Lord, why haven't I not got it yet? Well, first of all, if you haven't got it yet, you're not in faith. Faith has it before you see the answer. So if you're saying, well, Lord, how come I haven't got my healing? Well, you're not in faith for your healing. That's why you haven't got it yet. Well, yeah, but, but, but I've read the word. Now, see, the thing about it is there's reading the word and acting on the word. In fact, if you read my, my grandfather's stuff, he, he says, many of us have the capacity for faith. We've read the scriptures. We just never acted upon it. You know, in, in, in fact, he even used the word, we'll become, you know, faith fat. I mean, we'll, 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 we have the word, it's built up on the inside. So we have the capacity to believe, but we don't act on what we believe. It's just like, you know what? We'll take a sport, basketball. I just pulled that out of the hat. Okay, no, you know, I'm gonna pull a hat. That, I mean, let's take ice hockey. Most of you probably are not as familiar with ice hockey because living in Oklahoma, ice hockey is not as a big, big a deal as, as other, other areas, all right? You could watch all the ice hockey games you want to. You could read every book on ice hockey. You, you could find out about Wayne Gretzky and all the, some of the great people. I'm sure there's other, you know, um, you know, there's other great people in ice hockey. I'm not a big ice hockey fan, so, um, you know, I don't mind watching, watching the, the sports, I actually understand. I, I understand some of the penalties. I understand icing. I understand, you know, some of the things, you know, uh, but um, you can study all about ice hockey. That doesn't mean that you could put on a pair of ice skates and go play. In fact, you can study about ice hockey all you want to. If you've never actually put on a pair of ice skates, you probably, if you first time you did it, you're probably going to fall down. It takes a while to learn the balance and learn all that kind of stuff. And so it's the same way, you know, with us, we know we have to act on what we believe. We, we've never tried out the Bible. Now, one of my favorite scriptures or favorite things, now, when I, when I say try it out, it, it's, it's really that simple. Um, Acts chapter 14, Acts 14, 8, and I'm going to read from the New King, I'm sorry, the NLT, Acts 14, 8. Let me get there here real fast in my free version of the, I, I know I always push it free because people, I, I do get asked a lot, which version, you know, do you use um, or which, you know, Bible app? I always let everyone know I use a free one just so you know that. Now, if you want to pay for your version, I, I don't care. All right. Acts fourteen eight says this, this is Paul and Barnabas. It says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet um, he had been that way from birth. He had never walked. 
He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Um, Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped up to his feet and started walking. So here's a man, never walked a day in his life. All right, he's here listening to Paul. Now, understand that Paul did three things. First of all, he preached the word. All right, because if he wouldn't have preached the word, there's no way the man could have, could have got faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, so um, it's great. Sometimes we come and we have blowout church services where no one preaches. It's like, you know, but, and then people will say, man, we had a great service today. Nobody preached. Well, that's great to have that every once in a while. But if no one ever preaches, you're, you, people are not gonna, you're not gonna keep having blowout services. At some point in time, someone you got to preach the word. And you know, there are some churches now that try to operate with nobody preaching because they want to get to a point where no one's going to preach because that's awesome. Well, not really, because there might be somebody there in the auditorium that's never heard the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so Paul, first of all, he preached the word. Secondly, he realized that that man had faith to be healed. All right, and um, I will say this from a um, pastor's perspective or preacher's perspective. Sometimes as you preach and as you look in the, in the audience, you can tell that that person got it. You, you can tell that boom, a light bulb came on. You can tell that, that they understood, you know, whatever. And, you know, but in this situation, I, it, it was pretty obvious you know, when we see someone who's lame, that's not able to walk, we, we pretty much know that they can't walk. All right. And so Paul perceived the man had faith to be healed, but you realize just because he had faith to be healed, he didn't get healed. Another thing had to happen. The third thing that Paul did is Paul told the guy to get up. And I tell you, it takes a lot of faith to tell someone who's never walked a day in his life to get up. So Paul had faith right there by telling him to get up. Because most people would think, well, what if he doesn't get up? I mean, because that would be our natural thinking, right? But thank God that Paul wasn't thinking naturally because it never would have been in the Bible. Do you realize that Paul would have never told the guy to get up? He would have never got up. He would have never got up. That took faith. But you realize that not only did Paul have to do things, the man had to do things. First of all, he had to hear the word. You know, great. I mean, a good thing this guy wasn't on Facebook the whole time during, during Paul's sermon. You know, I'm, I've been there too, so I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. You know, this guy wasn't thinking, man, I hope Paul finishes so I can go to lunch. You know, because I'm kind of hungry. And Paul, you're preaching, you're preaching too long, you know? And, and, you know, and I joke about that and I've been there too. We've all been there, you know? So are we really receiving things when we're, we're, we're thinking about, man, I'm just ready for this guy to get over with so I can, you know, because sometimes we just come to church to get our, our stamp. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, so we can say, Lord, look at this. 52 weeks and I only missed two. I only missed two weeks, so I'm a good Christian. And because, you know, that one week I went to the lake, another week I went to visit my parents. All right, so two weeks. So I made 50 weeks out of, out of 52. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm such an awesome Christian. No, it doesn't matter how many times you go to church. Going to church doesn't heal you. Going to church doesn't actually even give you faith. Faith comes by hearing. You know, there's people that are sitting in this room that are not hearing a word I'm saying. And the only reason half of you actually listen to me because I'm, I tell, I'm funny and you're waiting for me to say something funny. And I don't mean to be funny. I just, I just am. It's my personality. I don't, I don't know why I'm funny. I don't even try to be funny. I just like, I'm myself and it's funny. Or maybe I just look funny. I don't even know. Um, and my wife will say, I'm not funny. I don't know why they laugh. 
which is funny anyway. Makes it even more funny. You know, but the, the thing about it is faith comes by hearing. But not only do we have to hear, we gotta understand. Well, what did he say? And so that's the reason why sometimes whenever you um, read a scripture, you might want to look at other translations. Or then you might want to go and study what the Greek word says or, or, or get, understand. Or even, you know, in the margin of your Bible, a lot of times it'll say, well, you know, it'll have a verse and, and it'll say, it'll have a little a footnote and it'll say, see this verse or that verse. And it'll help you kind of better understand that verse because you need to understand what you're hearing. So this man, first of all, heard the word. Now, you realize that Paul's message, because we know what Paul preached, because he tells us in, in 1 Corinthians that I'm just here to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not here to, out, to, to preach some kind of outstanding lyrical sermon. You know, I mean, you know, Paul, Paul's saying, I'm just here so you put your faith in God. You know, sometimes I'm wondering whenever you hear someone preach, and I'm not, it's almost like, well, you should just think I'm awesome. Or, or almost it's like, I'm not saying you put your faith in the pastor, but sometimes it's almost like that by the way they preach. It's almost like, you know, the, you know I'm just so much better than you are, and hopefully one day you'll get like me. And that always bothers me. You know, I don't know how many times people will come and talk to me when we're on the road and say, you know what, I just wish I had the same faith that Brother Hagin had. I could never be like that. What do you mean you could never be like that? You realize that Brother Hagin had the same Jesus. Brother Hagin had the same God. You know, and it's the same. He just simply believed. You know, a lot of it is he just was very simple, very simple-minded. And we all know what he says. God says it. I believe it. And that settles it. If he has scripture for something, you can't talk him out of it. Unfortunately, you can talk you out of it even though you know the scripture. That's the problem. When I say you, I'm not talking to you or you. I'm not talking to an individual, but I'm, I'm saying overall Christianity, it's, it's, it's so easy to, just, to talk people out of it. In fact, I'm gonna give you an example just to help you out. So, um, you know, this happened to be a Rhema student. I mean, it doesn't matter whether Rhema student or not, but there was a Rhema student that come and talk to me about something. And I knew this person really well and I was kind of messing with the person. And they're asking me about some kind of deal, some kind of scripture. And they're telling me how they believed. And I took the other side, the other, you know, I, the wrong side. And I, and I, I talked about what he believed by, by quoting the word and, and taking the scriptures out of context. And then at the end, I was like, and this was one of my friends. And so I, you know, I was messing with him. I said, I'm just joking. I believe what you believe. I mean, you're, you're right. The deal is if you can talk someone out of what they believe, because there are people that take scriptures out of context. You know, if you read the scripture about Jesus wept, the shortest scripture in the Bible, um, we know why he wept because of Lazarus, you know, but we could say, we could take Jesus wept and we could take some other scripture and put them together and there we go, that's scripture. Yeah, but it's out of context. But anyway, this man heard the word. He heard Paul preach. When he heard Paul preach, because faith cometh by hearing, that he got the capacity to have faith. I mean, he had faith on the inside. Do you realize that faith on the inside didn't heal him? Do you know what healed him? He acted on the faith that he had when Paul said, stand up, he stood up. Now, think about that. This, this guy had never walked a day in his life. And I don't know how old he is. Whenever I preach, I, I always pretend he's 28. Why 28? Because, I don't know, one day I was preaching, I pulled the number out of the, of the hat. 28. 28 years he sat there. He might not be 28. He could have been 24. He could have been 42. I don't know how old he was but he had never walked a day in his life. Paul preached the word. The man got faith. Paul said, get up. Do you know, man, it takes, a lot of, it takes a lot of faith to get up whenever you never walked a day in your life. He got up and he walked. Why did he walk? Because he got faith, he believed, 
and he acted on the faith that he had. Now we, some of us have heard faith messages for 28 years and we still don't have the same faith that this guy had. Why? Because we're educated. Well, brother so-and-so says this and sister so-and-so says that. And, and you know, and, you know, when I read, you know, people get so confused. You know, I, I kind of have the hokey pokey gospel. Anyone know about the hokey pokey? I know, I mean, you know, because I have to understand, we, we live in a different generation. You know, people today probably don't know about the hokey pokey. So just for some of you younger folks, Google hokey pokey and you'll understand. Hokey pokey is a weird song that starts out, they put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, you shake it all about. And then you go to your left foot, you put your left foot in, you put your left foot in, and it goes on through your whole body or whatever. So what happens is, is some pastor comes and preaches the 99 steps to receive from God. Unfortunately, you forgot step 50. And if you forgot step 50, it all doesn't work. Because I had the distinct privilege of getting a, a county degree from Oklahoma State University. And I'm telling you, I mean, sometimes we didn't have a lot of homework. It was only like one problem. Here's all the things that happened for this, com- this company for this one month. You do their finances. One problem. Do you realize if you screwed up on one transaction, you screwed up the finances for the whole company. And so that's, you know, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna simply tell you, there's not 90 SF to faith. It's just, just believe, only believe. Just believe. It's just that simple. Or simply Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Now we're going to go on to Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four. But you know what? Our God's awesome. I know you guys haven't done anything. How many of you believe that our God's awesome? How many in this room? Hopefully, more people raise their hand. I know you don't exist. I know you haven't seen the movie. Our God's awesome. You know what? Our God created the, the universe from nothing. And so how hard is it to believe that our God can't meet our needs? How hard is it? And because, you know, I know it, it doesn't seem natural to speak things into existence. But God did. Remember back in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, and the whole earth was null and void. There was nothing on the earth. It was, it was nothingness. And God began to speak and he said, let there be light. And there was light. Anyone remember that scripture? Why was there light? Because God said so. God said so. Now, if you want to go with the New Testament, God said it with his mouth. He believed it in his heart. And he had what he said. No, he didn't have to fast and pray. He didn't have to pray fast. He just had to speak. I don't know if you noticed that because it doesn't say in Genesis 1-1, the, the earth was null and void. And God said, let there be light and went on a 40-day fast. At the end of 40 days, after God had fasted and prayed a lot, the light came on. Doesn't say that. Now, if it, was, if it was, if some preachers wrote that, that's probably what they would say. Or they would say, God said, let there be light. And then he gave an offering to himself. <laughs> or maybe give an offering to brother so-and-so. I don't know. And once he gave that offering, it released the, the light angels <laughs> to encompass the world. No, God said, let there be light. And there was light because God said so. God is greater than Simon. You have to Google that. If you ever played the thing Simon Says, there's a game called Simon Says. And, and in the game, that if the person is calling out, they would call it different things. They say, Simon says this, and you do this. Simon says that, and you do that. And then they would say, do this, and they would do it. And you're out, because Simon didn't say it. 
God is greater than Simon. All right. You know, I, probably no one plays Simon Says. I don't know anything about it. But, you know, some of you laugh and the rest of you have to Google it. Um, but God said, let there be light. And there was light. Why was there light? Because God said it. All right. And that's when we go to um, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Those are the, scripture, the keynote scriptures of this ministry. Um, these are the scriptures that my grandfather got a hold of that got him off the deathbed. And I'm so glad he did because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. All right. Now, what I want to tell you is when my grandfather got a hold of these scriptures, he never heard anyone speak a message of faith. He, he, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only thing he had was him reading. And he kept reading and reading, you know, he kept reading this. And he says, well, and that's why he says that God says that I believe in the Bible, because he says, well, I'm just going to believe what the Bible says. And guess what? That was good enough to get him off the deathbed. And it's good enough to change your life. And some of you have heard faith messages for year after year after year, and you still don't believe. And, you know, but Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That was my, that's my scripture, because you know what? Some people have trouble with the three steps. Say it, believe it, have it. Just have faith in God. Just believe God. Just that simple. And if God can't do it, there's no one who can. All right, so it's just pretty simple. I, I, I try to be really simple. I'm probably the most simplest person in the world. And mainly because I learned it from my grandfather. I just believe. Why do I believe? Because God said so. This is the same God that said so in Genesis 1.1. Our God changes not. It's the same God. Now what Jesus said here says, have faith in God. Then he goes on to explain the God kind of faith. He says this, for assuredly, I say to you that whoever, and I want you to circle that whoever in your Bible, because he didn't say my disciples. I know you said yep, it's a device and you can't really circle it. So, you know, you know, if you have a real Bible, I call it the analog version. You can circle that word, whoever. So maybe when I create my own Bible app, I can, you could actually circle it. But anyway, the, the point is, whoever says, well, that means that, because some people say, well, this is for the disciples and disciples only. You know, I guess there were 12 of them at the time. Later on, it became 11 because Judas killed himself. Um, but, you know, some people say, well, that was for disciples. No, he didn't say you disciples. He said, whoever. Whoever encompasses everyone. It's an all-inclusive word, meaning whoever. Right? Whoever says to this mountain, because he's pointing to a mountain, because he's trying to give an example. He's trying to give the example the same way that, that God said, let there be light. He says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. All right? It's physically impossible for a mountain to get up and move and be thrown into the sea. I, I don't know if you realize that. It's physically impossible. All right? So he was basically telling you, you can say things that are physically impossible. And I, I want to point that out because some people, you know, their own mind, like, man, I would like to be healed or I would like this happen, but that's really kind of impossible. No, duh. That's what Jesus is saying. All right. So, and, and so maybe I think some I, I see the light bulb just came on for some of you who have never figured that out. Because see, our mind says, well, that's impossible. Well, that's, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's possible, but it's unlikely. Do you understand? You know, it's possible that someone could hand you a million dollars today, but it's pretty unlikely. But if anyone wants, I'm going to be at the south door. If anyone wants to hand them, you know, I'm just going <laughs> You know, it's probably unlikely. All right, there's probably a point I'm, I'm, I, there, I've had some things in my mind. I'm not even going to go there. I know you would like to, to but anyway, but um, my, my mind was thinking, but there's probably a, a point, oh, oh, one chance that someone's going to hand you a million dollars today, but it could happen. All right. But um, he says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now 
I want you to understand, he's saying that this mountain's going to uproot and be thrown into the sea. He's not saying the mountain's going to move five feet. All right. I mean, I know it's physically possible for a mountain to move five feet, but you realize, I mean, so there's a bunch of mountains in the world. Most of you probably, have, a lot of us haven't seen most of them. There's a mountain. Anyone ever heard of this mountain called Mount Everest? All right. There's like 50 people in this auditorium that's heard about Mount Everest. Um, guys, you need to really get educated here. I mean, now, I've never physically seen Mount Everest, but it does exist, I, I, I know, because some people have actually climbed it. All right. But if Mount Everest somehow, well, while we're sleeping tonight, Mount Everest moved five feet. And if, let's say you could see Mount Everest out your window and it moved five feet. You realize you wouldn't be able to know that it moved five feet. Now, maybe if you got close, you might see how the dirt kind of moved five feet over but you wouldn't be able to see it. But if Mount Everest actually just uprooted and became Island Everest in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or the Indian Ocean or wherever it might you know, plant, you would know it. You could tell, you're like, dude, I woke up and the mountain's gone. How'd that happen? Well, Joe over there, he was like, mountain move and it did. Wow, that's incredible. That's what Jesus is saying. You can actually, I mean, it's impossible. It seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Anyone get this? All right. Goes on to say, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart. That's pretty big because you know what, what happens a lot of times we speak the word and we, we'll, we'll be in that faith thing, move, you know, mode for one week, two weeks, maybe even longer because you're sticking strong in there. Then all of a sudden, the devil's over there like, McFly, McFly. Back to the future, I have to Google that. Um, McFly, hey, dude, your mountain's not moving. This must not work. Your mountain's not moving. But see, faith... Is an unquestioning belief without any proof or evidence. And that's when you have to say, Mr. Devil, I don't care what you say. It's not about you. It's not about you, Mr. Devil. Quit making things about you. It's about me and God. It's about me coming in line with God's word. And that mountain's going to move whether you believe it or not, because I believe. And there's nothing, nothing is a compound word meaning, there's no thing on earth that's going to stop me from believing what God says. I don't care who comes against you. I don't care who tells you differently. You believe. You don't doubt in your heart. See, doubt is like, you know, one of these prayers like, God, um, how come you haven't done this yet? Well, he's already done it. He's already sent his son to die upon the cross. He's already done all he's going to do. Now, now it's up to you to believe. And um, so it says, if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say. Now, a lot of times people don't want to say anything. You're like, well, I'm not comfortable saying anything. I'm going to go get the pastor. I'm going to have him say things for me. The Bible doesn't say that somebody else should say things for you. Ultimately, I might love you. But you know what? I don't, you know, in some ways, I do care because I love you. But, you know, whether or not you get your healing or not, doesn't affect my life. Whether or not that you're able to pay for your bills or not, doesn't really affect my life per se. Now, because I love you, it might affect my life, but ultimately, you know what? It's your life. It's your body. It's your finances. What do you believe? In fact, I know my grandfather sometimes, he won't even pray for someone until you ask them what they believe. And they're like, well, I don't know. Well, that's the problem. You got to know. Now, 
I want, once again, this is an impossible situation that Jesus is talking about here. So don't tell me that your problem's too hard. Well, I'm the only person in the world, you know, that has this disease. Well, first of all, you're probably not the only person in the world. I don't care how rare the disease is that somebody else has had it. Now, it's interesting because anyone ever heard about Lou Gehrig's disease? I mean, nobody wants a disease named after, after you. Don't, don't name a disease after you. It's interesting, now they call it ALS. And that, that stands for something. I can't think of it right now, but it stands for something. You know, because, but, but I don't want to, I mean, you know, I'm not a disease person. Don't no, 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 name anything. If you want to name something after me, name a building after me, not a disease. So um, the, the thing about it is, it doesn't matter how, impo- it's impossible to move a mountain to the sea. So God's like, no, Don, I don't care how impossible it is. So don't, don't let the devil tell you that's impossible. It might be impossible to me. I might can't do it, but God, but Jesus, this is Jesus. This is red letters, folks, red letters. Jesus says, say with your mouth. Now, the reason he was showing the impossible, because if he can move a mountain to the sea, how easy it is for God to provide a thousand dollars to meet a need that you might have. You know, it's a lot easier, you know, to, to get a thousand dollars than it is to move a mountain to the sea. Um, so, you know, a lot of things, people, we put things in perspective. It doesn't matter how tough it is. Say with your mouth, believe in your heart and have what you say. It says, does not down your heart, but believe that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Drop the mic. I'm going to have what I say. No one's going to talk me out of it. See, what happens is <clears throat> we do the steps. We have the things. And then, then all of a sudden the devil comes in and says, no, you don't got it. It's not going to happen. And we let the devil and say, yeah, but that was my roommate that said that. No, well, I'm not calling your roommate the devil. But we let people talk us out of, of, of what we're believing God for. I don't care whether you believe or not. It doesn't affect you. And it, I had a situation at one point in time um, in my life, and I built a house, and I heard people, people told me, well, you can't afford to build a house that big. Well, you know what? I did, and I did afford it. And I don't care. I know these people were trying to, were trying to speak facts, and at the time, it probably was facts. In fact, I waited until I felt led. You see, I had land. Do you realize, folks, if you go out and buy land, that doesn't, the house doesn't automatically build on that land? I bought land and had land for a couple of years. While I, while that, I had the land for a couple of years, I developed the plans for my house. And my house, the longer that land sat there, the bigger the house got because of the more I'm thinking about my future and you know, family and all that kind of stuff and still didn't make it big enough anyway, but that was, um, and so when, when the plans were all laid out, some people said, well, you can't afford to build a house. That, but how, how are you going to do that? But God, well, it turned out. So at some point in time, I, I don't know. I just felt led that it's time to start. You know, when I started, I didn't know how I was going to finish, but by the time I was done, not only did I build the house, I was able to pay for the pool that I was, couldn't afford. I had new furniture, which was a lot better than my hand-me-down stuff that I got from my grandparents and my parents and everybody else in my family. Um, I, took, I put brand new furniture in it, brand new house, brand new pool. Now, now I, want, I want to go on record because I, don't, I want to... I didn't completely pay for the house, but I was able to put enough money down that I had a payment that I could afford. All right. I mean, because I don't want some people to say, well, you had, you know, I, I looked it up and, and you, you had to actually pay. Yes, I did make payments, but I was able to put a lot of money into that house because I want to guarantee you, I'll show you this check. I mean, I put lots of money into that house. So, and I was able to afford it. Why? Because God provided. Why? Because I believed. You know, and, you know, and God is no respecter of persons. He'll provide for you as well. 
Anyway, I've, I'm over time here, but I'm gonna read a couple more verses. Mark 11, 24 says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will have them, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Understand, you believe you have them when you pray, not when you get it. This is, this is talking about, okay, I'm praying here and I believe I have it while I pray. When I say amen, I have it. That's faith. But you realize when you say amen, you don't necessarily have it. Now, there are some times where people get instant healings. It does happen. There are some times where people are, are, are get healed when they went, even under Jesus' time. Sometimes he would say, because in that day, they were still under the law, that you had to show yourself to the priest and the priest had to declare you that you were healed. And they would start walking to the see the priest and they, were, they, they saw things in their body. But by the time they got to the priest, it was no longer there. All right, so, you know, some people are, are, are not healed instantly. Why is that, Craig? I don't know. I don't care. Only believe. So the scripture I want to leave you off with um, is Mark chapter 9, verse 23. I'll read from the New Living Translation. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Once again, drop the mic on that. Anything is possible if you believe. It's up to you folks. So I'm going to leave you off with my Shakespeare quote, to believe or not to believe, that is the question. Now Shakespeare didn't say that, but it's Shakespeare-ish. You either believe and you have it, or you don't believe and you don't have it. Now, this is an ongoing thing. I have to believe and say in faith that I have it up until the day that it happens and I really have it. I have to keep believing. So, well, I know I don't like to throw secular songs out there, but Journey has a song. I'm a child of the 80s. Don't stop believing. And that should be your motto. I'm gonna believe. Only believe. All things are possible to them that believes. And when people try to talk you out of it, hey, dude, Jesus gave me an impossible situation, says it's possible if I say it. So he knows more than you do. So just go on. Just that simple. We serve the God of the impossible. And it's possible if we, Mark eleven twenty two, 22, have faith in God. You're not going to meet your needs. God is meeting your needs. And if you can't believe in God, number one, you can't get saved. It's just that simple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. And we thank you, Father, that in these two simple messages, that you, we thank you that we just have a greater faith just by learning just some simple messages on faith. Father God, we thank you that you're able to speak through me today to make it simpler than I've ever done it before. And we thank you, Father, right now for everything that you're doing. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here in this auditorium today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know it today. So if you're here today and you, you say, Craig, I've never been saved. I've, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You can today. Folks, heaven is real and hell, hell is real. And there's a way to reach heaven and not go to hell. And that's accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So if you're in this auditorium and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, lift your hand right now. We want to pray with you. We want to make sure that happens this morning. We want to make sure that you get your salvation. Anyone in this room? Or maybe you're here today. My grandfather always talked about a no-so experience. Maybe you don't know whether you're saved or not. Well, you can know tonight or today, not tonight, today. You can know. How do I know? You come down here and we'll pray with you. We'll make sure that you got your, your salvation. If that's you, lift your hand. We want to pray with you. Or maybe here in this room, you say, Craig, at one time I walked with the Lord, but I've kind of turned my back. I've kind of went away. I want to come back and I want to publicly rededicate my life to God.
You don't have to publicly do it, but if you want to, you can. We want to pray with you. Or maybe here in this room, you say, Craig, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, but I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Like they said in Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak to other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you never received that, you can today. Lift your hand, we're going to pray with you. There's a hand over there, thank you. Anyone here under any invitation, whether you want to be saved, whether you want to rededicate your life to God, whether you want to have a no-so experience or whether you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, everyone stand up for a person. Let's all stand up. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, I want to ask you to come down here. We want to pray with you. Come down here. Come to the altar. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, come down here right now. I know it's a, it's a, it's a big step, but come down here. We want to pray with you. Amen. was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come Hallelujah. to the altar. The Father's arms are open Amen. Wide. Anybody else? The altar's so open. Come down here. Was Hallelujah. The precious Amen. Blood of Jesus God bless you. God bless you. Amen. How you doing, brother? God bless you. Amen. What you got? Anybody else wants to come down to the altar? So come on, come on. I just said price is right. Come on down. Amen. How you doing? God bless you. Amen. What you came down for are spiritual gifts, whether it be salvation, influence of the Holy Spirit. They're all spiritual gifts. They, you know, a gift. When I think about the the word gift, I think about Christmas. Anybody like Christmas? All you guys that never see movies and don't know you exist. Christmas is a great thing. I love Christmas. And you know, Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But we give gifts to each other. Anyone ever got a gift on Christmas? How about you guys? Anyone ever got a gift out there? You know, a hundred of you got gifts. The rest of you, you don't, you're trying to figure out where you're going to go eat. All right. Um, you know, we get gifts on Christmas. And what my parents did, I don't know about, about you know, your family. My parents, as a kid, they would put our gifts under the tree early. And then they would put to Craig from mom and dad. And it was set there under the tree. And you know, as a kid, I'm like, mom, can I open one early or whatever? But then there came Christmas morning and I opened the gift and that gift became a reality in my life. And I was so excited. And that's what today, today is your Christmas day. You open your spiritual gift, whatever it has for you. And some of you say, well, I'm coming down for rededication. You know what? Sometimes you get a gift and as a kid, you play with it for a while. You put it on the shelf and it sits there for a while. And then one day, I remember, you know, you get things like whenever you're like 12 and you turn 18, you're in high school and you're too old. And all of a sudden you see this, you know, G.I. Joe, you know, action thing that you, is in the back of your closet. And you're like, as a teenager, you pull this stupid gift out and you start playing with it again because it's pretty cool or, or whatever. You know, that's what happens when we rededicate your life. You know, we come back and we, and we re-experience what we experienced the first time. You know, a gift, I say, if I want to give you a gift, I have three books. I want to give you these books. How do you get a gift? You take them. You can have those right there. All right. Amen. You guys are going to get the same gifts as well. So what you came for is a gift. Amen. I'm going to pray with you right now, right here, real fast. And then we're going to take you to the place. And they're going to, they're going to pray with you more. They're going to make sure you got the gifts. They're going to give you the books. They're going to give you some more material, talk to you more about it. But I want you to, first of all, lift one hand toward the Lord. I don't care which hand, doesn't matter. And what, by doing that, you're signifying, I'm receiving my gift this morning. Amen. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these precious folks, Father. We thank you, Father, first of all, for forgiving them for their sins. We thank you, Father, that today is their Christmas day. We thank you, Father, that they're receiving these gifts of salvation, rededication, and filling of the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you, Father, that their life will never, ever be the same again. We thank you, Father, that you're setting them on fire, Father. We thank you, Father, that you're working in their hearts right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to turn this way. There's Brother Greg right here. He wants to take you to a place. He wants to make sure everyone gets the gift and give you some more things. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God is a good God. Amen. Amen. You know, there's, this is what it's all about, folks. Changing our lives. Amen. 
I want you to stretch your hands out toward these folks. Father God, we just thank you right now for these precious folks. We thank you, Father, that today is a special day in their life. And we thank you that they'll never be the same again after today. Father, we, God, we thank you for, for touching their lives, filling them with the, with the spirit. And we thank you, Father, for everything you're doing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God's a good God. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I went like 15 minutes over time, but it, it, it's okay. You know, folks, I mean, you know, Jesus preached longer than I do. Um, Thank you there, Dallas. Um, you know, because, you know, I know you want to beat the Baptist and you want to get, you know, the, the reason that we got 1130 and not 12 is so you can beat the Baptist to the restaurants. Um, so does anyone want to know the real reason we got 1130 and not 12? Some of you that are not longtime church members. Because my dad was noticing so many people were leaving at the end of service and we come to find out a lot of them had to get to work. You know, you know, by a certain time, or, you know, by 12 o'clock. So they do that. And so also sometimes the Dallas Cowboys play at 12. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I actually do know a pastor. Well, he's retired now, but he was, he was a big Dallas Cowboy fan. And now his church normally got out at 12, except when the Cowboys played at 12. Then his church would get out early because he was such a big Cowboy. I'm a big Cowboy fan too. I, I'm I'm in faith that this year that they're going to do me. No, I'm just kidding. Who knows? All right. You know how we do the pastors go to the door, shake hands. Um, we're a little short today, but, you know, we'll be at the south door, the north door, the west door. If you go out the east door, we're glad to have you. We're glad you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, once again, we're glad to have you. The connection team is in the aisle. They, they want to take you really quickly to the north lobby, give you a gift real fast. God bless you guys. Don't forget, 6 o'clock tonight, be back here. And you know what? Have faith in God. Have a great day. Have faith in God. I have faith in God.